Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, your host of the show. I'm the founder of CSU, uh, which is the real estate growth automation software. And uh, super excited today. I'm here with Jim Bichetti. Is that the correct pronunciation, Jim? You nailed that. Awesome. All right. So I have a little bit of Italian background in my language anyway. So anyway, super excited to have you here today, Jim. Jim is a speaker, author, coach, and consultant. He owns real estate businesses still today all over the world. He's been in real estate since the 1980s. And uh, just super excited because Jim is somebody who's gone from a real estate agent and real estate, we all know, as most of you listeners are in real estate, real estate is a sales business. And Jim has taken that and taken it throughout the real estate industry and then beyond where he's coaching companies all over the world now. And he has a top selling book from last year. So Jim, welcome to the show. What do you have to add to that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm honored uh, and humbled to be uh, a guest. I would say that one of the roles that I'm best at is uh, I've, I've been married to the same woman. It'll be 35 years in December. So that, that accomplishment is awesome. And I'm granddad to three amazing grandchildren and dad to two, uh, two awesome children, a son and a daughter. So uh, that is awesome. Congratulations. So that's what I would. So you, you did a great job, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that my, my bride of, of nearly 35 years, I, I wouldn't be where I am without her. Great. I love it. So Jim, uh, just tell us what you're most passionate about today. You have, you have a lot going on in your life. What, what is it that you're most passionate about today? So for me, leadership is really important. So as, as a salesperson, as a business owner, you start with leading yourself. So I'm really passionate about leadership. And for me, leadership is about your people getting better. So if you're running a sales organization, it's about your people getting better. And I believe that vision's important. Obviously, the first role of a leader is to have a vision. And that vision has got to be big enough, bold enough, compelling enough that it needs to attract people. So if my vision was just big enough for for Jim Fischetti to do it by himself, there'd be no reason for you to come alongside me. So my vision has to be compelling, and the vision actually attracts. You know, Tom's shoes, I've seen their shoes. They're not overly nice looking, but their buy one, give one was a vision that was compelling to the customers to actually attract customers. So have a vision, connect with people through your vision, clearly communicate the vision. And Jack Welsh famously, you know, he's considered the CEO of the 20th century. And they asked him how he spent his time. And he said, I spend 70% of my time, I spent 70% of my time sharing my vision. My mistake was I didn't spend enough time. So until your people can give you the vision back to you, you haven't communicated enough. And then 
after you've connected it and they have clarity on the vision, you need to empower people to go get it done. Hall of Fame football coach Bill Parcells, you know, they, he said, you know, if I'm responsible for dinner, I ought to be able to buy the groceries. There's nothing worse than trying to hold somebody accountable but not empowering them to achieve the results. And then I think this is really missing in corporate America, in a person's business, in, in, in life in general, and that is accountability. And what I mean by that is it really starts simply about having consistent communication. Too often we have annual reviews or some type of come to Jesus meeting when things aren't going well. But if we have consistent, and in most times if you're having some type of week, weekly feedback session, then it becomes better in the sense that many times you're celebrating the successes as opposed to simply course correcting. And in order to have really great, I believe, accountability, the first thing you have to have is clear expectations. The second thing is you have to track and monitor results. Because then the conversation is about data, not drama. It's about evidence, not emotion. And then the consistency allows there to be, you know, no stress and anxiety about that meeting. And then based upon the numbers, you're either going to course correct or celebrate and repeat rents. And then the other thing that's really important for us to understand is that if something's happening that will threaten your vision, your goals, your objectives, you have to act very quickly. You can't dilly-dally. You know, the great thing about action is that action exposes opportunities and situations that analysis never can. So get into action. I'm pretty passionate about getting results, achieving things, and, and the world getting better through leadership. Yeah, obviously you're making a difference in the world and uh, you just took us through, like I think it's about eight points. I have not read your book. Are those the points that you cover in your book? So some of that is, yes. You know, there, there's a little more detail and, and things, but that in a synopsis, I, I, that, that to me encompasses what really leadership, and, and for me, getting results through other people, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I love that you're doing is that everything in life really needs to have three basic things. And one, you need to pick a model and a system. So once you pick the model and the system, then you have to have technology that supports that. If you're not using technology, to supplement that, it's being wasteful. Then the third thing is you have a person that's responsible to drive it. Too many people in business start with the person and then try to hodgepodge everything else. No, start with what model and system you're going to operate, then find the technology that will best support that, and then the person who will drive it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, sitting there listening to you and a lot of the stuff you're saying, I'm like, you sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know whether to pray for you or to say that's well, good. I mean, I am always telling people, do you want to coach your people and hold them accountable based on their goals and their numbers? And do you want, or, or is it yours? And, and do you want to coach them based on their results and their numbers every week? Or do you want to go in there and be their counselor and have a drama session with them, right? Yeah. But data over drama every day for me. Yeah. I love that, you know, I'm asking you what you're passionate about today. You come in, immediately roll out leadership. For any of you leaders out there, and I think almost everyone listening to this podcast is a leader, take that to heart. That was some great advice. I would recommend starting this podcast over with your pen and paper, 
or at your computer and make notes. I know I just made notes of everything that you said, Jim. So tell us more about your book. What's the name of your book? The book is uh, Vision to Results, Leadership in Action. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss it. I, I truly believe that as we develop leaders, leaders can change their community and ultimately the world. So leadership is missing throughout society. If you look, you know, it seems like we have politicians now, no statesmen. Doesn't matter what letters behind there, I see a lack of leadership. You know, even in churches, you don't see the leaders. And even in business, there's sometimes a leadership is, is given away to quarterly objectives and profits. So throughout society, leadership, and then leadership in the home. So that's important from my perspective. And I talk about that in the book as really the basis for why. I don't care if you're a salesman, uh, if you're running, owning a company. You know, one of the things uh, years ago, 60 Minutes did session on SAS out of uh, Cary, North Carolina, which is close to my hometown. And, you know, 25 plus years ago, the program ran and SAS was really one of the first people to have linens in the dining room of the cafeteria. They had concert pianists. They had concierge service for their people. They literally built a charter school for their people. They did all these things for their people. Uh, the owner of the company, Jim Goodnight, built his personal residence in the middle of the uh, compound, and he gave the access code to his property to every employee in case they wanted to ride their bike or jog or, or look at nature during the workday. And the reporter said, why would you do all of this? And Jim Goodnight looked him in the eye and said, 95% of my assets leave at five o'clock. It's my job to make sure they come back. If, if you're a leader, if you're a leader of people and don't realize your people are your most important asset, you need to rethink why you're doing what you're doing. That's great advice. I love it. So you started in real estate and you've evolved to where you owned numerous real estate businesses. How did you go from an agent to the next level? Walk us through that journey. Most of our listeners, I think, are pretty far down that road in that journey where they're building teams or brokerages or businesses. Um, but I'd love to hear your story and how you've evolved to where you are today. So, you know, the industry, real estate has, is a great industry. I love it. When I started, things were obviously different in the 80s. Um, you know, matter of fact, buyer agency didn't even come around until the early 90s. There was no dial-in MLS. But what there really wasn't, in the first probably eight, 10 years of, of profession for me, you were an individual sales agent. So my first journey was in the 90s, probably late 90s of uh, really trying to build a company inside of a company, building that sales team inside of the, and uh, that, I will say that's where I got my flat head from banging my head against the wall. And that was the first time really started to think like a business person versus a salesperson. So much of my career, you know, we were taught units, volume, right? That was the ever increasing perspective. And then when that pivot of focusing on profit, because that's what you get to live off of, and then executing through other people when you're building a sales organization, the way I describe it in my journey, 
the difference between high school and college is pretty significant. The difference between undergrad and when I went to grad school was not very significant. So the move from individual agent to team owner, that was the hard part. Then from going from team owner to owning businesses was a piece of cake. It's the first effort that you go to attracting talent, creating an org structure, uh, building into people and getting results through people. That first time is difficult. And what I'd like a lot of the people to understand is that you may have to take a step back before you move forward. And that slowing down to go faster later is well worth it. And I, and I think that's what, as I've watched real estate, so many people in real estate really struggle with that because it's difficult when your money's coming in from your sales efforts to step outside and start working on your business instead of in your business. That's a difficult step. So what's your advice on how to best make that step and make it successfully? I tell people, especially real estate sales agents, what I want you to think about is somewhere between 60 and 70% of your time, possibly 80, but I think 60 to 70 should be working in your business. The remainder, 50% of that time should be working on it and then the other 50% should be working on you. You are the most important asset in your organization. So if you did, you know, 60, 20, 20, 70, 15, 15, that's, you should look at your calendar and say, hey, did I build in time to work on my business? And is there time in there built on working on me as a business professional, as a sales professional, and as a leader? Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast right now, do you have time scheduled in your calendar, blocked out where you are going to work on your business instead of in your business. And if you do, make sure you abide by that so that you can really get these rewards moving forward in years to come. So Brian, I often find if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. Yep. Right. I, I'm the same way. If it's not in my calendar, something else is and I don't do it. Right. So, and literally, one of the things that I did, um, in my early 20s was I set out to read 50 books a year. And they would be sales books, leadership books, biographies on successful people, and some motivation. And 20 years after I was doing that consistently, I realized I'd read a thousand books. And during that time, one of the things, you could look at my calendar, and I literally had a block for thinking time. And it's really important because again, I believe each person listening today, you know the answers to what you need to do. You just need to allow yourself the time to process that. I agree with that 100%, Jim. Such valuable, such a valuable tip. Do we sit and actually, instead of looking at our phones and looking at TV, block the time out for you to be alone and think about what you want in your life, for your business, for your family, for your health, for every aspect of your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. This is great stuff. So you now, after reading a thousand books and most, most successful coaches and people who own coaching companies that I know personally, which I know a lot, they've all read a thousand books, which wow. I, have not, I have not read a thousand books. And as yeah. a CEO, I should have read a thousand books, but I'm not there. So taking that to the next level, I mean, I've found with audiobooks, I'm able to, to listen and read 
far more books because now in my drive time, my workout time, even if I'm on my mountain bike sometimes, I have audiobooks in. So it's a great way to get through that. I think it's much easier than it used to be to, to have to schedule your time and actually sit down somewhere and read a book is far more difficult for me. Do you feel like, has that, that enhanced the, the amount of books you can read or? So I do think there's a learning style. Most people I know, Brian, are like you and they love the audiobook. And because there is the opportunity, right, exercising. I think it was Zig Ziglar who used to say about his tapes, go to Automobile University, right? <laughs> and so you plug in. And so there is some truth to that. And yet there are some learners who are visual learners uh, or kinetic. So for me personally, when I read books, I sit there with highlighters, underliners, and notes. And so the process, I miss a step when I do the audio. That's yeah. just who I am. So I'm a weird guy that still does, holds the paper, but I, but I value. So what I do is I actually listen to podcasts when I'm traveling. I, I do that as well. Yeah. I, there's something about the book that I still like to mark up, but I list, you know, if, if I'm not driving and somebody else is driving on the podcast, I'll have my notebook out taking notes as I go through the podcast. Yeah. I learn better. I am kinetic. I, I, I like to take action while I'm learning. I'm the same way. I'll be in the gym and sometimes I'll, I'll be listening to a book and I'll actually pause it. I'll sit down and take notes about that particular book. And right now I'm reading Measure What Matters. And I find myself in the gym just, maybe I don't get as good of workouts as I get, but at least, I, at least I'm working my body and my mind, right? You're working both. So, yeah. So you've now built several mortgage businesses. You were at KW. You were regional director for owning several brokerages. You still own some brokerages. Tell us how you took this to the next level, because right now what you're passionate about, I can tell, is actually seeing other people receive that same growth and have those same rewards that you've had in your lifetime. So you've said, hey, I'm going to help others. That's why leadership is so important to you. I'm going to give back and help others become better. Tell us more about your coaching company, how it evolved to that, and then I want to dig in and learn about who you're actually coaching and what, I mean, what kind of businesses and all that kind of stuff. So I do believe people matter, right? So um, I, I've been fortunate to have mentors, uh, people build into me. I still have coaches that coach me. So I, I benefited. Um, on a side note, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't like consumer debt, but I tell people the one thing you can borrow all the time is you can borrow my belief in you. And sometimes as people, we need that belief from somebody else who believes in us when we're a little skeptical of whether or not we're going to make it. And so coaches tend to work primarily with accountability. Consultants also bring models and systems along with some of that coaching and consulting. So the accountability so that you can drive results. So for me, it's about wanting people to live their best life. And too many people are settling for what's not important to them. And the way to change that is to have somebody come alongside you and literally 
uh, becomes a partner with you and your business to and your personal goals to achieve your goals. I believe most people will accomplish what they set out to accomplish if they create a plan, are willing to be held accountable to it, and create tracking and measurements in order to make sure it happens. And if it's important to them, you know, Simon Sinek famously talked, you know, you start with why. It's got to be important. It's got to be something that gets you up in the morning, right? So, you know, for me, the, the transition, uh, you know, after about 20 some years, I started working with some agents and coaching them and coach some of the uh, top agents around the country. And then from there, I started working with businesses. Primarily, it started with uh, people who owned real estate offices and walking them through and helping them grow, increase profitability. So starts with growth. Growth leads to more production. Production leads to profit. And hopefully, you build a culture that encapsulates those three points. And every organization has a culture. And if you need to zealously protect the culture you want, and that will be part of the differentiating factor for an organization. And so that, that's really the case. I've also been fortunate to work with some major nonprofits um, as a way to give back and help their organizations uh, grow and achieve results through people. So I've enjoyed that process too. Um, you know, really, I'm just a guy who serves people. And I've had the fortune of working with a lot of great people who made me look good. So I do believe if you're in the leadership role, you should only be out front when there's a screw up. And when there's success, you should be behind the scenes pushing your people forward. They should take the, the credit. You take the blame, they take the credit. I think it's so important in the real estate industry that people do exactly what you said and they focus on their culture because the amount of commissions that someone is paying is not what's going to keep people in your business. What's going to keep people in your business is your culture and they feel the value that you bring to them. It's not about the commissions. So anyway, hopefully everybody understands that. It's a great point you bring up. One of the things you've talked about several times today is tracking and accountability. And that's a, that's a big part of the culture. But obviously, you see my dashboards behind me. That's a big part of what CSU does. That's actually how we got started. We're now much more than that in that we're full contract to close management platform as well. But that being said, there are so many coaching companies out there that utilize CSU now to actually be able to see real time all the time exactly where their agents, teams, and everybody's at. How have you guys been doing that? The reason, I mean, it's a difficult thing to do and it's actually why I started this company because as I moved into this industry to help my wife build her business, it didn't exist. And so like, how have you guys been doing that? You've been doing it since the eighties, it sounds like. So is that spreadsheets well, or did it start with paper and scratching four lines down and one across? Cause that's how I started when I was in real estate. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. So every real estate agent out here will appreciate this. There's basically six basic conversations that you want to track. It starts with a contact. X number of contacts leads to a lead. X number of leads leads to an appointment. Appointments X, you know, lead to a higher whether it's a buyer agency or a seller's listing agreement. And then you track 
uh, appointments, uh, hires lead to under contract and under contract lead to closings. So you need to have those six basic conversations and some type of tracking and goal form. Uh, and technology is the simplest way. I mean, yes, pen and paper still work and you can have that conversation. It makes sense to me organizationally that people would report their numbers at a daily. So as the leader, they could see daily what's going on. The thing you remember about real estate is our business is primarily 90 days out. So if, if we wait to check your numbers in, at the end of the month, then if we need to course correct, that month is gone. We're really four months before we'll see financial differences based on what we do. So it is, this industry, real estate especially, is important to track your numbers daily and weekly. And so the great thing about a system like yours is it'll start to calibrate X number of contacts leads to a lead. So the beautiful thing about that is when you have clarity about it takes this many contacts, say it's 20 to get one lead, and it takes five leads to get one appointment, then you know with 100 contacts, you'll get an appointment. Yep, and, yeah. and for you leaders out there, if your agents knew for every 100 contacts they have, they would go on it, they would schedule and go on an appointment. Would it be so much easier for them to make the 100 contacts? It becomes almost a game at that point, right? Oh, I've got to make my 100 contacts so I can get that appointment. So, uh, you may have heard of old Tommy Hopkins, okay? Yes. When I got started in real estate, Tommy was one of the kind of the gurus in that. And uh, I'm showing my age and, and, and inflation. But when I got started, every no was worth 20 bucks. And so the game was, so that you do the contact. You get as many no's as you can, right? Right. And, then, and, and back then, my average commission check was a little less than $1,000. So, you know, every no is worth 20 bucks. And then I always ask, how much was the yes worth? Most people say the amount of the commission check. Nope, it's only worth 20 bucks. Yeah. You don't get to choose who says yes. So the activity for the no is just as important as the activity for the yes. That's a great way of putting that. I, I love that. I want to go back to this. You talked about how important it is to measure and track daily. And I read a book probably 15 years ago now, and it talked about... In January, we go in and we set our New Year's resolution. Yes. And 90% of us, probably more like 98% of us, by the time the 21st rolls around, we no longer have that resolution. We no longer have that goal. We don't have the why you talked about. And it's because we're not measuring. By the time 21 days has happened, we don't understand. We don't even remember what it is. It's not important to us. If we were measuring that daily, if you were working out in the gym and had an app tracking that every single day, you would go in the next day because it's important to you. So my key takeaway of that was though, okay, if I have a new year's resolution and I do that personally, and let's just say I do the same thing for my business. Mm -hmm. That's when I do my goal setting once a year. Well, guess what? I can course correct, as you talked about, or I can celebrate, as you talked about, once a year. If I move to monthly, well, now I get to do that fun activity 12 times a year, and I can increase my business. I can correct any issues 12 times a year. And now if I move it to weekly, which a lot of real estate companies do this weekly, they come in and meet 
every Monday, weekly, or every Friday, and they're going to go over, okay, what was your big rock for last week? Did you hit it? Or did you do your 411s? Or did you do? And so now you're talking about 50 times a year, you get to course correct or celebrate. But as soon as you move it to daily, Jim, that's what I love. What happens? <laughs> oh, when people go daily, I don't have the statistical analysis for the percentage, but my guess is uh, it is uh, somewhere between north of 95% of the people actually hit their goal, okay? Because the advantage of daily is, one, it's in front of you, it's important. The more you're looking at it, the deeper it's ingrained in you. And, um, you know, so if we use the example of the goal is to make 100 contacts a week, well, at the end of day one, I'm at 19, I obviously know tomorrow I've got to do 21. And so it's so easy. easier to get back on track. And by the way, if you're one of those people that's always 100% on track, God bless you. We love you, but you're not the norm. Most of us have, a, we, we got to get back on track at times. Sometimes we're ahead of track and sometimes we're a, a little behind, but that's the advantage of daily. The Delta doesn't get so big that it, it, it becomes uh, headwind versus tailwind. Right, I see, I see it all the time. If somebody gets midway through the month and they are not on pace for that, guess what? They're giving up this month. This month is over. I'll start back up on the first of next month. It's just the way we as humans, that's the way we operate. I don't know if you're familiar or have read the, the book 12 Week Year. Yes. So, you know, and that's part of the, the author's premise. Real estate book, right? I mean, so that, that, that is how real estate people measure their business, right? It's every 12 weeks. That's it. It's a new year for you. Right. So if you think in terms of, because for that reason, is it typically most people, January goals, they're highly motivated. And if they're in reach in December, they're highly motivated to accomplish. So the first month and the last month tend to be high energy productivity month. So that premise of the 12 weeks, the first four weeks, you're gung-ho, uh, the middle is shorter, and the last four weeks, you still have time to course correct enough. So chunking those things down makes a difference. And like you said, weekly is great, daily is better. Yes, and, uh, and I'll share an example. My wife runs a real estate brokerage and a real estate team. She now has about 20 agents on her team they were doing about 25 transactions a month when COVID hit. They went from weekly reporting and she had CSU, so it was all in there. But to actually every morning at 8.30, everyone reporting their numbers out, guess what? They're now doing over 50 transactions a month. And sure, the market's hot right now, but you know, with COVID, a lot of people took the opposite action and said, you know what, we're all gonna stay home for the next two months. I don't care if you're home or wherever you are, you can still take action, right? So, so. Brian, your wife did exactly what I told you. I said, you know, there are gonna be uh, two different, there are two, two main people during COVID. Those who treated this like a snow day and really just, you know, whatever, stayed in their pajamas. Watched, watched what, every TV series out there. <laughs> you know, uh, what was the big, uh, but, and then there were those who said- uh, Tiger King, is that what you're talking that's about? It, that's it, Tiger <laughs> And then there was those who, said, you know what, I'm going to lean in and double down. And for those people, uh, they took market share. Yes. And your, your wife, her, her organization will never give that 
uh, back. They, they own that market share. And as the market normalizes, they'll benefit from that also. Um, yeah, it's, it's that, been really fun for me, not just because of my wife, but I would say our customers, our teams and brokerages, pretty much across the board did that same thing. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they've grown, we've grown, and it's just, it's been a great thing for, for everyone. But it's because of that daily being able to lean in and knowing your numbers. You couldn't do that if you were managing based off of emotions or drama, like, like you call it. Yes. Yeah, data over drama, uh, evidence over emotion. It, great. It, okay. Uh, just for the sake of time, Jim, you've talked about so many great points today. What is like one piece of advice that you want to make sure, like if I was listening to this podcast and I just had one takeaway that's going to make the biggest difference in my life or in my business, what is that? So the biggest piece of advice I could tell somebody is, first of all, think bigger. Have you read that book? I, I have not. I, oh. Unfortunately, I think I lived that word now. Because one of the things, you know, when I started off in my real estate career, you know, I had a simple goal, Brian. Um, my goal was that my children, you know, I, I, I got married after I got in real estate. I've been in real estate a little longer. My goal is that my, my bride could be a stay-at-home mom and my kids would graduate college debt-free. Guess what happened? That's what happened. You, you know, get what you expect in life. Right. And, and in my 40s, then I understood legacy and other things. And so he, I'm not a do-over guy, but if I could go back and tell my 21-year-old self, think bigger, that's what I would do, is that you, you really are more powerful than you, you realize. So think bigger. And then if you've got a big, passionate goal to think that you've got to work with, uh, bring somebody along to help hold you accountable that you share that with, and that'll hold you accountable to achieving that. I love it. Uh, I read a book, Think Bigger, last year, and it actually made me realize that CISU was much more than just this tracking software, right? Um, and we, we, actually, we actually came up with the tagline, similar to CRM, but it's growth automation software. Because everything we did was focused around growth or automation. But we weren't communicating that. We weren't sharing that. We weren't. So uh, anyway, and now we're thinking even bigger than that. But it's amazing what can happen when you feel you can accomplish more or when you feel you deserve more, just how life can change for you. Brian, may, may I encourage you? Yes. You said growth system. Growth, growth, growth automation software. Software, okay. If you remember, I said Everything, especially in the real estate business, starts with growth. Growth then leads to production. Production then leads to profit. And hopefully you have a culture that encapsulates all of that. Yes. And so, you know, you, you are at the tip of the spear for the real estate industry when you create a growth automation software. Because everything in real estate starts with growth. Yeah. And so, in our opinion, everything in real estate should flow through our system, including all of your communication with your vendors. Um, with your clients, with how you manage your team, your tasks, everything. So um, anyway, but yeah, it's, it's just fun to, to hear your advice. Um, I love speaking with people like you who I can just ask whatever advice I want to get and, uh, and you deliver it for everybody. So <laughs> thank you for that. I, I just have a few questions that I want to uh, leave with today, which I pretty much ask all of our guests. Here's okay. kind of our quick 
quick um, final questions, but it's really favorite book or favorite source of learning. You've kind of already addressed this because you listen to podcasts all the time and you wrote an amazing book last year. So I'm guessing that's your favorite book and podcasts your favorite source of learning, but correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I, I have one unusual form of learning that I, I really like, and that is I study Jimmy Buffett. His words speak to me. Uh, matter of fact, his uh, the song, The Captain and the Kid, is kind of a, there's a light verse for me in there. He wrote it about his grandfather, and it says, uh, even though I cried the day he died, I was so proud to love a man so rare. And in my 20s, I realized I wanted my loved ones to be able to, to say that, so I focus that. And if you actually look at Jimmy Buffett, he clearly knows who he is, what he's good at, when to expand, who his customer is. And, you know, he has a staggering fact. Uh, last year, Margaritaville licensing fees were $1.5 billion. Unbelievable. Wow. So, so Jimmy he's a really Buffett. smart businessman. So that, that's my unusual quirky learning thing. But I do love books and I love podcasts. And I do like Jimmy Buffett too. I love it. So you've brought up now a couple of times, and this is back off of our final questions, but I have to go here because you've brought up a couple of times family, whether it be your grandfather, yes. your wife, your kids, your grandkids. Family is super important to you, I can tell, as it is to me. Like how important is enjoying that family life to really enjoying your business life, having a successful family life to having a successful business life or vice versa? You know, for years, especially early in my career, there, there was this personal life was, and professional life were separated, right? Well, the reality is uh, if somebody's going through a divorce, it's going to impact them professionally. And if your business is cratering on you, it's going to impact your personal life. So for me, business is to support my family and my mission and my legacy. Mm -hmm. And I, I realize there are people who it is easier to work on your professional than your personal. Um, you know, I, I always joke that the guy who writes the book, How to Understand uh, Their Wife, will sell a bunch of copies. Um, you know, it's, it's a process. Uh, and it's harder, I think, to lean in to being a spouse, a dad, a parent. Uh, and it's easier for me to hit metrics in business uh, than it is uh, but it's more important for me to hit my family metrics. Yeah. So, That's what I thought. That's what I thought you were going to say. And you talked a little while ago about Simon Sinek and having a why. And from what I can tell, your why is your family. Is that right? My family and then uh, a legacy for my future generations, but also for our community. So, uh, okay. so it's bigger my, than the family, but the family is, is number one. It is absolutely, so uh, my most important relationship is with my creator, God. Second is with my bride uh, and then my children and, and grandchildren. You know, my, fortunately, my wife and I were, early on, were both people who would, wouldn't even really utter the word divorce. And then remember I said, think bigger. So my goal when I first got married was to not get divorced. And I realized a couple of years in, that's a pretty crappy goal. I better have a goal than awesome relationship. Yeah. So m that pivot to thinking bigger, um, you know, the best relationship I have is with 
uh, my bride, Jill. I'm glad you made that shift because I've learned in my life that you get what you focus on. Yes. So if you're focusing on not getting a divorce, you're probably going to get a divorce because the divorce is what you are focused on. Correct. That's, that's, that's the way our minds work. That's the way we work. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about it's bigger than just your family. It's bigger. You want, and, and a big part of that is you've talked about growth this entire podcast. And now you just brought up the other why you have, which is con contribution. It's giving back and to your community, to your generations that follow you. That's a, that's a why that is going to make a difference. And so I just wanted to point that out because that is what we all should strive for is to have a why like that. And if you can figure out your why, everything else will flow. Correct. So thank you for that. What is your favorite place, Jim, uh, to, to travel or visit, your favorite place? It is obviously um, a beach with my family. So uh, I, I live in North Carolina, so I'll, I'll pay homage to the Carolina shores right now. Uh, I take my, my bride, my kids, my grandkids for years to Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, which is always been uh, basically any beach uh, and preferably where it's warm. So uh, those are my, my favorite uh, places. I, I've had the fortune of traveling to a lot of places, I like that, but um, I've had some great trips to other places, but my go-to destination will always be sand and surf. Makes sense, do you surf? I, I used to body surf, I, I haven't, uh, I, I did surf in Costa Rica, but I don't surf consistently. Okay, uh, and what's your favorite thing to do in your personal time? Um, that's great, so I'm gonna incorporate two things. Uh, my wife is, health coach, personal trainer. So we exercise together. I absolutely love uh, doing that activity with, with her. And she would probably say that I would rather be with my grandkids and she might be right. But those being with my grandkids and being with my bride, those are my favorite, favorite people in the world to be with. Okay. I think we've addressed everything else I was going to ask you. So everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Grit Podcast was an honor, Jim, to be here with you today. Uh, everybody, Jim Fischetti is who you've been with. Please, Jim, tell us how we can reach you. Sure. If somebody yeah. wants to get a hold of you or your coaching organization or for a speaking um, engagement, those types of things. And, and maybe you can give yourself a plug there. What, what kinds of things should people reach out to you for? So one, you can reach me at jim at coachwithjim.com. So one of the things I, I like to say when really good isn't good enough for you. That's the type of people I coach well. So if you really want to go, if you want really a deeper level of, of excellence, then those are things I do well. I work with organizations also to help build their leadership, uh, to help structure accountability uh, inside the organization. Sales, uh, you know, after over 30 years of sales career, I, I help their salespeople. So if you want me to speak to your salespeople, I can work with that. We can, I've created programs for individual companies so we can do that or we can take an existing program. The big thing is if you're a leader, you want your people to get better. If you want to read about leadership, the book is great. If you want to personally make, challenge yourself and be held accountable at a high level, you can coach with me. So. 
more importantly, if you just want to say hello, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm grateful for uh, the listeners taking their time to listen to me. And uh, I welcome your feedback. So uh, Jim at coachwithjim.com. All right. Thank you, Jim. If you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also, give us a review. Giving us a five-star review allows people like Jim to say, hey, I want to be a part of that podcast. So thanks again for joining us on the Grip Podcast. And Jim, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.